All right. <clears throat> Welcome to One in a Million. I am your host, Roland Million. Um, you know, a, a slew of things to talk about uh, today on the early edition uh, of One in a Million. Last night's game, um, Steph Curry's place in history. Um, and what I'm going to look towards seeing in game seven. Now, today, first thing I'm going to admit is I was wrong, okay? I thought the game was going to go six, and then it's going seven. And that's one of the only things I've been wrong about, okay? I did say once Derek White had his child that he was going to – that's going to change his complexion of the way he plays because not only is he playing for himself now, he feels like he's playing for his child. And that's what happened with Fred Van Fleet, and he just went off after that. And Derek White has done the same. Um, now, in terms of the game last night, okay, here's the issue that I had. What before the game started now, before the series started, I thought we were going to finish it in six. Now, the only problem that I had was once we won game five, I had a feeling yesterday morning that we weren't going to win that game. Why? Because the focus came on uh, the Larry Bird trophy the focus came on whether or not Larry Bird was going to be there. The focus came on, you know, um, everybody saying, well, you know, we're going to be playing the Boston Celtics. Draymond Green said we're going to be playing the Boston Celtics. Now, I still think that rings true. But the fact that everybody was so focused on getting ready for the finals and overlooking um, the, opponent that they, the opponent that they were playing in game six – you can't overlook anybody. You can't look ahead to the future. You got to do what you need to do right now. If history tells us anything, it's when you overlook an opponent and you start counting your eggs before they hatch, you pay. All right. Now think about the 8176ers. They started to count their eggs before they hatched. And guess what? The Celtics came back and beat them. Right. Think about the 1995 Phoenix Suns. They were up 3-1, and Kevin Johnson said, yeah, Houston's a beautiful place, but we're not coming back. They had already counted their eggs like the series was over, right? 98, the Bulls versus Jazz in game five. Their focus was on the championship. Everybody was talking about dynasty, dynasty, dynasty. And they weren't as focused on the game. Even Michael Jordan himself, I didn't think he looked that focused. He wasn't laser sharp focus. And then Carl Malone goes off for 39 points. Antoine Carr comes in and goes perfect from the field and helps lift the Utah Jazz to force it to a game six back in their place. Right? You think about you think about Tracy McGrady. It feels good to be in the second round. And then Detroit came back and beat them the next three games. The 2016 Thunder versus Warriors. Everybody knows about that. They were up 3-1. Three, three, Clay Thompson came with the Clay Thompson game six game and then just went off, right? Even 2012, 
right? Go back a little bit. The Celtics, once they won game five, they had big, they had a big shots made by Mikel Petris. They had some, um, they had an incredible game by Kevin Garnett. Paul Pierce hits that dagger. Everybody puts them into the wind, right? Stephen A. Smith, all these guys, they're like, oh, the Celtics are winning this game. The series is over. That's it. They're going to the finals. And everybody started to think like that. But the problem is when you start to think like that, you're not playing the game that you're supposed to be playing and you're not laser sharp focus. And that's what happened, right? Yesterday, the Celtics were not laser sharp focus. They came out, they came out lackluster, right? They were making simple mental mistakes that they normally wouldn't make, right? And they played right into Miami's hands. If you thought Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat were just going to walk away and just let them go to the finals, I think everybody in Miami heard what Draymond Green said. We're going to play the Celtics. You don't think that's that's added motivation for Miami? We're going to play the Celtics. And you know what? It, it might play a little bit of mind games with the Celtics. Yeah, everybody knows we're going there, so let's just get this game over with. And now, do do I think that they did that? No, but I think subconsciously, they kind of thought that they were just going to go through the motions and get that victory. And they didn't. Jimmy Butler played a hell of a game. Uh, I think he had like 45, 9, and 8. He's he He just showed that he is a superstar. And I think he's a superstar. And I think we put too much stock on whether or not they're a superstar during the regular season. I think you you need to put that stock in uh, what they do in the postseason. Like Kawhi Leonard doesn't even play the postseason that hard, and he doesn't even care about getting MVPs. He cares about winning championships. So when regular season comes around, he takes so many rest games, and then when playoffs come around, he's he's a whole different animal, a whole different beast. Like laser sharp focus, you can't stop him. He's ready to lock players down. He's up in players' grill. Like he's just a different player. And I think people put too much focus on that regular season. They forget what the playoffs is like. It's a different animal. You're playing all teams that are just as good as you, if not better than you, right? So Jimmy Butler, it's like he waits till that playoff time for him to start playing. Now, he did have a struggle the last three games, honestly, right? He did have a struggle. And I do really think that there was something wrong with him a little bit. But I think, you know, he played and he wasn't going as hard as he was before. But I think, you know, getting a little bit of uh getting a little bit of tender love and care from his trainers and anybody who was working on him, I think they worked on him as best as they could. And he came out and was just like, you know what? I got to forget about this injury. I got to just go out and play. Many people have done it before. You just, you just got to go out and play. I'll give Scotty Pippen some credit here. Scotty Pippen before everybody talked about the migraine headache, but they don't talk about what he did in 1998 in game six, his back was shot, but he came out there and he was like, I just got to go out there and play. And he did. And he helped them win a championship. <clears throat> Now, with that being said, do I still think the Celtics win game seven? I do. Um, they're going to have to do some things that most teams haven't done before, and that's win three games on the opponent's, on the opponent's home floor. 
Um, you know, we're going to talk about Steph Curry's place in history. And one of the people who um, I think kind of just gets lost in the midst of talking about their place in history is Akeem Olajuwon. He's top 10, okay? Now, one of those teams that won three away games in order for them to go to the finals was his 95 Rockets. They beat San Antonio two times at home to open the series, and then they beat them again a third time after um, San Antonio came back and beat Houston two times at home on their floor, right? They won three games on the opponent's floor and then one finally won one home game for them to make it. Now, here we are. Miami won two games on the opponent's home floor. Boston Celtics won two games on the opponent's home floor. This game seven now, it's all on the line. It's going to be a game of wills, okay? Who is going to will themselves? And usually it's always dangerous when the best player on the floor is on the opposing team. But I think the best player on the floor, the best player in the series is Jason Tatum. And I think it's going to be dangerous for Miami. But at the same time, people need to produce. Grant Williams can't have the game that he had yesterday, along with Al Horford. They combined for five points. You, you, you need more from them, right? You need more from them. You need better play from them. Derek White, he has been incredible these last three games. We need him to do the same thing that he was doing. Four of six from the three, uh, I think 22 points. He played a stupendous game, but we need more. Peyton Pritchard, if he gets in this game, I mean, Peyton Pritchard, he hasn't, he didn't really play much yesterday. Um, and if he does play, he needs to pick his spots and he needs to be patient and he needs to be poised and he needs to knock down shots. He needs to do what he does. This is going to be a crazy game. I know the odds have it at um, Celtics uh, minus two and a half. But I never go by those things when it comes to Game 7s because Game 7s, anything can happen. You really don't know what could happen in a Game 7. So anything could happen. I'm going to go with the Celtics, though. Um, I don't care what the odds say, but I'm just going to go with the Celtics. I feel like when their backs are against the wall and I feel like anytime they come off of a loss – they become even more focused. Now, let me preface this by saying, if they do this versus the Golden State Warriors and think that, you know, they're going to have a loss and they're going to come back and win a game, it's not going to happen. They will get smoked because Golden State Warriors, they're a good defensive team, not as good, I think, as Miami and Milwaukee, but Miami and Milwaukee couldn't shoot like the Golden State Warriors. You have threat upon threat upon threat from the perimeter. And if you think that coming out lackadaisical and lazy sometimes defensively and just going through the motions is going to get you victories after you lost versus the Golden State Warriors, it, it's not going to happen. They're they're going to come ready, right? Steph Curry wants to, he wants to create even more of a legacy. Okay. Now 
now that we get to Steph Curry, let's talk about his legacy. Now, if Steph Curry wins a finals, another one, four, and he becomes a finals MVP, I still don't place him in the top 10 of all time. Top 10 of all time, you got to understand, these people who I, I, I have on top 10 of all time are pretty much solidified in everything that they've done, okay? He's not taken over for Wilt. Um, the only people that I see that he could bump off would be Akeem Olajuwon. But even that is a stretch. Akeem Olajuwon is top 15 in four all-time categories, right? Steals, blocks, rebounds, and points. <clears throat> We're talking about a center here. Who's in there for steals? Okay. Block shots, okay, given. Rebounds, okay, given, right? Points, sometimes not even given. But he's in there for points, rebounds, block shots, and steals, right? I'm not taking him off. You're talking about a guy who won an MVP, a defensive player of the year, and finals MVP in the same year. You're talking about a guy whose team didn't have home court advantage the entire the entire playoffs in 1995. Didn't have it versus the Utah Jazz, came back and won. He led them to come back and win. Didn't have it versus the Phoenix Suns, he helped them come back and win. Didn't have it versus the San Antonio Spurs, they won. Didn't have it versus the <clears throat> Orlando Magic, who everybody thought Orlando Magic was going to solidify themselves and so that they were the new the new regime, the new top-tier team, and they swept them. And Akeem put on performances that you couldn't even dream of. No pun intended, because he's named the dream, right? But I'm not taking him off as well, okay? And then there's some Twitterazzis running around saying that he's going to replace Bird. I think you all need to go take a look at who Larry Bird is. He's not replacing Larry Bird. Larry Bird is a top five, top six player of all time. There is no way, shape, or form unless Steph wins two championships and gets two more finals MVPs. Maybe I might think about putting him over like Akeem Olajuwon or somebody like that. Maybe. But a Larry Bird? Absolutely not. Larry Bird changed his team and he was a he he was the man the second he walked into the league. And he didn't waver. His team won 30 more games once he just got drafted to them. Became a champion in his second year, right? His confidence is, is just what makes him top tier. Unwavering. You can't go and tell somebody, a whole bunch of professionals, including Clyde Drexler, that he's going to play you guys with his left hand today. He was playing a Hall of Famer and scored 47 points in that game, 28 with his left hand. Larry Bird is on another level, and I think people need to really watch him to understand just how good he was. He did so many things that were so good, and he was fundamentally sound. I remember watching a 19, the 1986 Game 4 um, NBA Finals versus the Rockets, and he's on a fast break, 
and coaches who understand the game of basketball and coaches who 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 teach the game of basketball properly they tell you when you're on a fast break and it's a 3 on 2 you have to force that person to make a decision right either by holding the foul line when i mean hold the foul line i mean stop at the foul line the person in the middle of the break and the two wings run wide and look to get to the basket larry bird gets the ball takes two dribbles, gets to the foul line, holds it. The person has to decide whether or not they're coming out to Larry for the jump shot. They do come out to Larry. He makes a pass, finds Robert Parrish running the lane. Parrish slams it home for two points. Not only is Larry Bird just a beast on the floor when it comes to shooting, when it comes to having a left hand, when it comes to skills, but his intangibles and the accolades They go without saying, the only player to win three MVPs right in a row, right? But his intangibles, his fundamentals are on another level. So Twitter, no, Steph Curry is not replacing Larry Bird on the top 10. The only person he has a little bit of a chance to would probably be Akeem Olajuwon. He's not replacing Kobe. He's not replacing Wilt. He's not replacing Bill Russell, and we're not going to go into the eras argument. He's not replacing MJ, LeBron, Magic, Larry, Tim Duncan. He's not replacing Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan won championships in three different decades. You want to talk about longevity and dominance. He won in the 90s, the 1000s, and the 10s. If you want to talk about dominance and longevity, let's start right there with him, Tim Duncan. He wouldn't replace him either. Now, with that being said, okay, every, every session, right, we talk about players who don't get enough credit. Now, before I even get to that, I do want to say one more thing, one quick thing about the Celtics and the Miami Heat. The Celtics... Over the past four years, you have been eliminated by the Brooklyn Nets. You have been eliminated by the Miami Heat. You have been eliminated by the Milwaukee Bucks. You have gotten redemption on two of those teams, okay? Now, it's all up to you to show how much you've grown over these past four years, okay? The Miami Heat have grown, but so have we, okay? In order for you to make this a full redemption tour, you need to go out there and beat the Miami Heat in Game 7 on their home floor. I still think about that block dunk on Jason Tatum by Bam Adebayo, and I don't want that to be the lasting image of a duel between the Celtics and the Miami Heat. What I want as a lasting image is Bam Adebayo with his head down and Jimmy Butler with his head down walking into their tunnel and the fans starting to leave the building early because to me, some of them are fair weather fans. But anyways, I want to see them walking out of the building early. Okay, now I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I would love to see Jimmy Butler head down, bam out of bio, head down, and fans heading towards the exit early. Now, 
back to players that back to what I was saying, players that don't get enough recognition. Now, the player who I'm going to talk about, some people will be like, why would you put him as a player? He's top 75 player of all time. Um, <clears throat> he was top 50 of all time. Like, why would you put him as someone who's underrated? I'm putting him as someone who's underrated and who doesn't get enough credit because for someone who's a top 75 of all time, I believe he's top 15 in, in scoring, um, rebounds. Um, I'm not quite sure if it's block shots. But for someone who's top 10 in those things, I never, rarely hear him get mentioned in some of the top power forwards to ever play the game. And he gets lost in the wind, and he was an enigma, honestly. And that's the nickname that a lot of people gave him, the big enigma, the big E, Elvin Hayes. Elvin Hayes was a 12-time All-Star, a scoring champ, rebounding champ, All-NBA, All-Defense, NBA champion, NBA 75th anniversary team, NBA 50th anniversary team. He averaged 12 rebounds a game, close to 13, 21 points a game. And there's not many people who averaged 20 points. You, you look in the Hall of Fame for a lot of the people, and not many people average 20 points. Obviously, we know there's a lot that there's only like six that have averaged 25, but there's not as many as you think that average 20 points a, a game. And Big E, I never hear his name getting mentioned when it comes to players who are top tier, right? He averaged 21 points. Now, I know people are going to be like, oh, he wasn't efficient. He shot 45% as a big guy. Okay, well, if you watched his game and you saw his his game, he shot a lot of fadeaway jumpers, right? He shot a lot of jumpers, right? He was a stretch four. When people talk about, oh, they didn't have many stretch fours back in the day, there were plenty. You just got to do your research. He was a stretch four, okay? And when you talk about someone who was dominant, okay, you got to talk about Big E. And if you want to see just how dominant he was and how he took over, okay, you can go watch the series that he had with, um, oh my goodness, I think it was 78, the, the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, Philadelphia was just coming off of um, making it to the finals and then losing, okay, and Portland was eliminated in the first round. So I think Philly had thought that, hmm, you know, this is our opportunity. This is our chance, okay? But Elvin Hayes had other ideas, okay? Now, he had 23 points. Um, he averaged 23 points during this series, 16 rebounds, three block shots, three assists, and two steals. You talk about someone who was doing a little bit of it all, but I never hear his name get mentioned, okay? Game one, he played incredible, had 20, 28 and 18, okay? Game four, probably one of my favorite games of his, where he had 35 and 19, 
and he did it in a plethora of ways. Big E was 6'9". Uh, some people who say they've met him said he's probably a little bit taller than that. And he ran the floor like a guard, okay? He ran the wings if you watch him play. I mean wings like a guard. And he and then there were times where he ran right to the front of the rim. He was an incredible player, incredible, who doesn't get enough credit. No one ever talks about Big E. So if you are going to talk about some of the greatest power forwards in the game, we always hear about the Kevin McHales, the Kevin Garnetts, the Dirk Nowitzkis, the Carl Malone, the Charles Barkleys. Um, I don't know if I said Tim Duncan, but the Tim Duncans, right? But never, never, or Bob Pettit, never, right? Never do I ever hear about Big E, Elvin Hayes. Okay, now we need to start talking about Big E, Elvin Hayes, because he gets underappreciated. And I know he played with Wes Unseld, who was a Hall of Famer himself, and Bob Dandridge, who were Hall of Famers themselves. But Elvin Hayes was also pretty much a backbone of that team. You know, as Elvin went, they went. Because you knew what Wes Unseld was going to do. He was going to rebound and he was going to give you some points down low. But without Elvin Hayes' contribution, they're not even in the top tier of teams. But no one talks about it, and we should. All right, this has been another episode of One in a Million. Again, I am your host, Roland Million. Uh, Tomorrow, tomorrow, it is game seven at 8.30. Enjoy that game. I know it's going to be a barn burner. I think the Celtics win by three points. It's going to come down to the last last couple possessions of the game. But things need to be done right away and things need to be done early. I think we're going to get a huge contribution from Derek White. And I think we're going to get a solid, solid effort from Al Horford. Because Al Horford knows it's now or never. All right? All right. Take care, folks.